I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is serial entrepreneur, author, and venture capitalist, Gina Dubay. Uh, her new book is High Heels, and that's H-E-A-L-S, How Two Women Found Their Footing in the Medical Cannabis Industry. Upon first glance, Gina Dubay doesn't look like a likely candidate to own a, medible, a medical cannabis dispensary. As a suburban mother with a resume loaded with professional certifications, uh, she and her business partner not only opened a dispensary, but have dominated the industry ever since, doubling their business alone in 2020. Their goal is to break up the stigma that marijuana should remain on the fringes of society and help those looking for relief find solutions to the everyday chronic pain and qualifying illnesses or symptoms that constrain them. She serves as the managing director and co-founder of Greenhouse Wellness, an award-winning dispensary in Maryland, and is also co-founder of Lasiva, a female-focused cannabis line. Her many accolades include Forbes magazines, Women Who Build who built outstanding companies. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Gina. It is my absolute pleasure. Great. I love the title here, High Heels, High Heels, and it's all about how high heels. So I guess the first question is, you know, I think I mentioned it in the beginning. Here you are, uh, a suburban mom, and you and your best friend decided, okay, we're going to open up a cannabis industry, which I assume has been male-dominated, Um so what made you do that? What did you guys, what were you thinking about? <laughs> well, I had retired for the second time. I have been a serial entrepreneur all my life, and my most recent company, Therapearl, had been sold to Biofreeze. So I was sitting on the sidelines, and my backdoor neighbor, Dr. Leslie Apgar, called me and said, hey, a client and colleague of mine is thinking of bidding for a cannabis dispensary in Maryland. And this was back in... 2015, 2016, when Maryland had a lottery for medical cannabis dispensaries. I didn't think too much about it. I thought I would be a passive investor, maybe. And we set up a conference call with the gentleman one evening after tennis in the car. Now, this is what suburban mothers and housewives do, as every woman on this call probably knows. You're always trying to do two things at once. It's kind of like putting the laundry in while dinner's cooking. So we do a conference call on the way back from tennis, and I said to the gentleman, what is the return profile for this investment? Classic venture capital question, classic question we should all ask ourselves before we invest money. And he said to me, oh, you wouldn't understand the math. And I have to confess, I was dumbfounded. I have two engineering degrees. I've run successful businesses. Did he assume that I couldn't do the math because I was a woman? Or did he just assume no one could understand the math? I hung up the phone and Leslie and I looked at each other and I called her back shortly after and I said, hey, let's just bid this ourselves." Now, that is a bigger departure than you might guess because I had never touched cannabis in my life. I had always had a security clearance or was poor in college, so it was a brand new world for me. And Leslie, being a physician, this was a true departure for her too. So we did the research. The proposal itself was more of a classic business plan. And a year later got the news that we won. And we were delighted and horrified. 
because we knew nothing about opening a dispensary. So we decided this was a real opportunity and we would create a dispensary that we would like to go to, that our mothers would like to go to, that kind of defied the stereotype of what a cannabis dispensary is and was. And so that's what we proceeded on to do. And the cannabis industry is male-dominated. It's 95% male. There are very few minorities and very few women. So we Are you still getting the same outlier. kind of treatment? Are you still getting the same kind of treatment that you got from the guy who said you <laughs> wouldn't understand the math? You know, it's interesting. When we first started out, I would go to buy product, and I would say, I'd like this, and they'd say, oh, we're out. I'd like this, so oh, we're out. Or I would learn from the guy down the way that my pricing was just a little bit different. And I would say, well, if I buy more, can I get the same pricing? No, we don't have any. But now we're a force to be reckoned with. We're one of the leading dispensaries in Maryland. We get treated like one of the guys, which is all we've ever asked for. And Greenhouse is one number one dispensary in the United States um, last year. We have had a number of professional accolades, but more than anything, we are so proud of what we have been able to accomplish with our patients. Because for me, it's a new thing. For Dr. Apgar being in medicine for 25 years, she sees it every day. We see people getting better, and that's all that matters. How do you overcome the prejudice? I mean, we know it's out there. People associate, and you're talking about you didn't do um, marijuana when you were in college because you didn't have enough money or for whatever the reasons were where kids were, you know, maybe I was one of them, uh, not too much, but it was recreational, but it was like, no, it's a taboo. Uh, yeah, college kids do it, but there's nothing good about it in terms of medical, you know, medicine. So how how do you overcome, I guess, that prejudice and that attitude? I mean, it, it's slowly eroding, but it's still there. It is slowly eroding, and I think having a partner that's a physician helps immensely, but what we did was we went back to the data, which is what an engineer and a physician do, and there is data in Israel and Canada, some really strong data about the efficacy of cannabis in certain instances. What we do need here in the United States, though, is for cannabis to come off of Schedule 1 because otherwise we can never do the FDA research that's needed. And so what we typically see are folks who are getting better. So we have anecdotal information, but not statistical information. Give us some of the anecdotal information, patients whose lives really have been helped by cannabis. Give us some examples. Well, yesterday was 420, which is the national cannabis holiday. And we are blessed. We had 500 of our patients come through, and they would just tell us story after story. And and Leslie and I stood out because we're doing a curbside model right now with COVID. And a lady crocheted us a blanket, and she said, I was on opioids so badly a year ago, I couldn't function, I couldn't work. And I started coming here, and I am off my opioids 100% in 12 months. And she brings us this hand-crocheted blanket. And she said, you don't understand what this has done for me. I have my life back, my children back. I'm driving again. I'm working again. I'm not suicidal. It gave me chills to know that we had impacted one person. 
And she is a wonderful person, but only one. I mean, our patient number one was an Afghan vet, and it happened to be a woman who was in a Humvee accident and had damaged her spine. She was on morphine and a fentanyl pump. And most of us could not ever fathom the amount of medication she was on. She was so determined to get off of everything. Three months, and we would never advocate this for someone to do it so rapidly. But in three months, she had worked herself off of all the opioids and in another two months off of all the cannabis. She does nothing now. And she's healthy. She's vibrant. She doesn't have the pinpoint pupils. She can drive. But for me, the most astonishing folks are the elderly. Our average age is 62, but we have patients in their 80s and 90s, and those with Parkinson's see astonishing results. They come in to us with their hands shaking, unable to drink a cup of coffee, to read a Kindle, to write, and with a tiny amount of THC, which we like to keep to the non-psychoactive dosage. Their tremors still, they don't shake anymore. They can drink coffee. They can read a book, read the newspaper, garden. They get back a part of their life that the Parkinson's drugs never were able to give them. So it, it is heartwarming. It yeah, and they touching. are heartwarming stories. I, I, what I want to know is what's the connection, say, between you and their physicians who have been treating them with opioids or they're hooked on other kinds of drugs or nothing works. So how does that work in terms of other, the, your relationship with other physicians? We, we, again, do it in a non-traditional manner. We opened up the dispensary at entire and all the physicians in the area. And we encouraged everybody to come through and get a little bit of education because it was new for us. We figured it would be new for everybody. And so what we did find with the physicians was initially there was a stigma. They didn't think it would could or would do anything. But as time has evolved and their patients cease to get better on traditional pain medication, we're seeing more and more physicians come through the dispensary and consider cannabis as an alternative healing property when nothing else works. And the pain management doctors who used to say, if you tested positive for THC, I'm cutting you off your pain meds, no longer do that. They take a transitionary um, approach and allow us to begin cannabis, which sits on the same receptors as opioids, and back the opioids out. And we start washing them out, the opioids, and then eventually off cannabis, and it's working. And Gina, your background in marketing, right, besides being an engineer, this has to have helped enormously in in the case of this product. I am truly a geek. (laughs) I am an engineer (laughs) by trade. With a big G, um, a geek, okay. uh, A very very solid (laughs) geek. But, you know, physicians want their patients to get better. And when we could provide the Israeli data, the Canadian data, and the anecdotal data, and they usually would send one patient over that they just couldn't help. And when that started to work, then it snowballs. We also get a lot of folks coming over for Crohn's and IBS. So, you know, we just are recognized as one of the more medical dispensaries in Maryland. 
Well, what about in the pandemic? Because as I understand it, maybe I mentioned it in the beginning, your in your business alone doubled in 2020. How did you do that when everybody else was like struggling to keep their businesses open? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. The pandemic has caused us all to be more anxious, more sleepless, more nervous. And so what we did was we developed a product called Blasiva. It's B-L-I-S-S-I-V-A, a combination of the word bliss and sativa, because we really feel that cannabis doesn't necessarily have to be psychoactive. That is what the recreational market uses it for. But in terms of anxiety, cannabis can actually cause anxiety at high doses of THC. We formulated placebo with THC and CBD and the terpenes, which are a portion of the cannabinoids in cannabis that people don't typically talk about that is developed just to reduce anxiety and stress and tension. And what Blasiva does is it takes the edge off. It's like a glass of wine or a deep breath and an exhale. It just gives you the momentary calm we have. It smells like vanilla or cucumber or lemon. And it's designed to have a discrete vape experience to reduce anxiety. And that product alone has brought thousands of people some relief during COVID. It's allowed them to work and function and deal with the anxiety. Now, I described it in the beginning as a female-focused cannabis line. Why is it female-focused? Well, we initially did it because Dr. Apgar is an OBGYN, and she has dealt with female problems her whole career. And they come in different stages as we as women evolve. Um, menopausal symptoms, then or menstruation symptoms, postmenopausal symptoms. And so we designed Placeva primarily for women. But what we found out was men suffer from just as much anxiety and stress. Nope, they don't have endometriosis, but our chronic pain formulation works for them too. So Blasiva is going to continue. The hard thing about cannabis is we have to produce in each of the 50 states because we can't cross state lines. But we will have a weight loss version and also a sex version called Smolder using Dr. Apgar's unique capabilities as an OBGYN for that formulation. What's it was a, what now? You said it's what is smolder? Describe it. Smolder is going to be a two-phased product. One is a vape, which is going to give you the more instantaneous anxiety reduction that you need, because as women we don't flip the switch to have sex. It has to be a more gradual, gentle glide with less anxiety, and then the second part will be a vaginal insert to enhance the feelings. And when does that come? I know everybody's going to be asking, when does that come on the market? <laughs> you know, we, That's the big hope, question. we hope, hope, hope to get, to get that in formulation by the end of the year. We, it's on the drawing board now. We're working with the scientists to have reproducible data. That's exciting. I mean, that, that that will be exciting news for for many women that I know, and particularly as a social worker, I could give you a list of people. So that sounds really good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, you certainly haven't retired. I mean, you're just going full force. It's it, uh, you're 
you, as you say, uh, you don't sound like a geek to me, though, I have to say. Not really. Um, <laughs> um, so how big is the company? I mean, you mentioned your partner and the physician, but in terms of, I mean, you must, do you have a lot of people working for you, or where's your, your base is in Maryland? Our base is in Maryland. We have about 25 folks on staff. We have a dispensary called Greenhouse Wellness, and when you come in, it's staffed with professionals in either healthcare or fitness of all different ages and, and strengths. We have folks that are really um, oriented toward cancer patients, other folks that are more generalists. And folks come into Greenhouse, which is white leather and crystal chandeliers. It is somewhere that you can bring your mother or a loved one. We wanted it to be comfortable and healing. Right now, however, we are curbside only with COVID until the positivity rate drops a bit. But um, we wanted somewhere that people felt comfortable to take the stigma off of cannabis and really talk about the unique properties that are there that we hope, hope, hope the government will pass the Safe Banking Act so that we can get cannabis off Schedule 1 and get FDA research done. Now, for a greenhouse, let's just say if we walk into greenhouse, just to make it clear, we don't need a referral from a physician or a health care provider. We can walk in on our own, as you say, with our mother, our daughters, mm-hmm. our loved ones, whomever, and make our choices. And at this point, yeah. Maryland, you do need oh, you do. a medical okay. certification. And that typically does not come from your primary care provider because they won't do that because of insurance and liability. It comes from a nurse practitioner. Um, and then you have to register with the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission. And with those two pieces of data, you can come in and purchase up to your limit. So I'm assuming, and I think you mentioned this earlier, but every state right now is different in terms of how you can access. It's a challenge. Yeah. Yes. And if you have a card in Maryland, you can't necessarily buy anywhere else. Some states have reciprocity. Maryland did not go recreational, so we're looking at another couple of years in a medical-only program. How would this work on the federal the level? Let's say- yeah, go ahead. Now, on the federal level, still Ill- illegal, everything federal. So, for example, it's difficult to impossible to find banking because no banks can take federally illegal money. It's difficult to impossible to find real estate because if a building has a bank loan, they can't give, you know, sublet real estate to you. As an individual, as soon as we won, my name was on the license, my bank that had my children's college savings accounts and my mortgage and tried to cancel my account. They invited me. They called me up and said, we invite you to leave the bank. And I said to them, wow, are you inviting the other gentleman who won the other hundred licenses to leave the bank? And there was dead silence. And I said, when you do, call me back. Otherwise, I have no intention. I'm still banking with them. But, it, you know, it's a comeuppance. It, it is a reminder of the stigma. Yeah, that, that's, I think that's what we began talking about, the stigma. What happens when, and this is a, maybe a very naive question, if you have the product and you are flying and you're going across state lines and um, 
what happens then? Are you allowed to, if you purchased the product in Maryland, can you bring it to, I don't know, Iowa? Or how does that work? In truth, no, you cannot cross state lines. Now, Pennsylvania's legal, Maryland's legal, I know that people do, but by law, product purchased in Maryland must be consumed in Maryland and only purchased by Maryland residents. So, I mean, politically, there's obviously a long way to go. So, uh, do you have people working or work in uh, Washington? Um, as part of trying to change this? We're part of an association that does lobby the state of Maryland and in Washington. I understand that the House just passed the Safe Banking Act, but it's failed in the Senate three or four consecutive times, and so there's still some question as to whether it will pass this year. What do you think, Gina? Do you think in terms of the um, aging population, or I mean, there's a, young, a whole group of younger people that, uh, that as the demographics change, that some of these barriers um, to producing uh, medical cannabis will change? If I had to pull out my crystal ball, I think we're right on the edge of it. Um, I think that the predisposition of the country has changed. The desire to have reproducible data for cannabis has changed because it, there really are places where it is better. I think the drug companies have come to that conclusion with Marinol and Epidiolex, which are cannabis-similar drugs for nausea, for cancer, and seizures. I think it we're here. 37 states have some form of medical marijuana or recreational program. So it's just a matter of time before we've hit the tipping point. I was also thinking is that, you know, there is an aging population, but because people live longer with all kinds of illnesses, you described some of them in the beginning, uh, painful illnesses, that there'll be more of a need for this because you have a huge population of people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s who um, can get relief from, yeah, from this, from the uh, You are so right, and a a lot of it can be non-psychoactive. For example, we have balms and creams for arthritis, painful joints. My husband has needs a knee replacement, which he is fighting tooth and nail, and he uses a cannabis cream on his knees before he plays tennis and is able to play. And so I think it's going to give us longevity. One of our first patients, Miss Lorene, um, was on a walker. She had the cat sweatshirt, the tennis balls on the bottom, and she just uses it for her joints. Oh, I'm thinking about how much better that, well, obviously, than surgery, because nobody wants to have surgery. So if you can do this, I mean... Uh, what better way to prevent ha- having to have, you know, some kind of surgical procedure? A couple minutes left. Um, the book, High Heels, is the title of the book, How Two Women Found Their Footing in the Medi- Medical Cannabis Industry. So, Gina, give us a website and or websites to go to for more information about the book, about you, about uh, your next project. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can always find us at greenhousewellness.com along with much information on cannabis in general and patient testimonials at blissiva.com, B-L-I-S-S-I-V-A. You can hear about a line of women's products that may appeal. 
And the final website is highheels.biz, H-E-A-L-S dot biz. And that talks about the book, which is just, it's a love letter to women and to entrepreneurs. It was hard to break into this field. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. You lose friends, you lose banks, there's stigma. It's difficult to do business in a regulated industry. And High Heels just kind of walks you through the journey. And it's an encouragement to other people to jump in, to start something new, to try something that's out of their comfort zone. I love it. That's great. Thanks so much for being on the show. Good luck with the book and all the projects. Thank you so much for what you do. Gina Dubay. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 